Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to do a plot drift. We're going to do any competent adult versus the Goblet of Fire. Um, Because, seriously, if Harry Potter ever needed an adult more at that point in his life, that was the moment he needed an adult, and he didn't get one. So, um, you know, if I was thinking about it, and if this wasn't a YA book, if this was just a a regular book, this is the moment when Sirius Black would have come into his own as a parent. He would have gotten his name cleared, and he would have taken care of his godson. Um, but it was a YA, and so that didn't fit the narrative, and so we got what we got. Which is something, which is honestly the Goblet of Fire was I thought one of her obviously she had some plot devices in every book that kind of were like what in order to make the young the young kids adventure happen but I thought Goblet of Fire was particularly egregious um because he's basically they had determined because of the level of danger right the magical community as lax as they were about safety had determined that because of the level of danger involved in this tournament that no one under the age of 17 could participate so considering that they're okay with children at 11 year old running around with deadly weapons <laughs> all the time and an 11 year old um, playing quidditch and playing Quidditch, and um, it's okay to take them on detention at night in the Forbidden Forest, where there are acromantulas and um, centaurs and other various awful things, um, and that they go to care of magical creatures with all these creatures that could kill them. Um, considering all of that, that this tournament was deemed to be so dangerous that you had to be 17 to participate, said a lot about the problems inherent in it, right? And then she turns around and she has a 14-year-old participating. And everybody seems to be okay with it. Not that, I mean, the only thing they're upset about is they think that they don't, <laughs> their upset isn't even that it's a child participating. It's that he cheated. They think he cheated. <laughs> but here's the thing about that that's actually, there's a, there's a, deeper element here um, with the Goblet of Fire itself in that if your name comes out of it, you're magically contracted to participate. But they had nothing on the Goblet to prevent students from putting other people's names in. Apparently, which is crazy, right? That, that Why the like... twins didn't just pay a seventh year to put their names in? I don't know. And then if your name came out, whether you put your name in it or not, we know this to be true, you are required to participate or risk losing your magic. Apparently, no matter your age. So theoretically, a seventh year who found some first year annoying could have thrown their their name in that goblet and they would have had an 11-year-old participating in that. Um, and it was supposed to pick the most worthy champion, right? The most worthy. What does that even mean? Is it the worth, the most worthy um, magically? The most, uh, because it wasn't particularly clear, was it? No. And, and of course, we basically have fan theory, right? For how a fourth student was even chosen. Because it's not really that well explained in the books that I recall. Mm -mm. Um. So did, did, because 
nothing about the setup for the Goblet of Fire makes any sense. Because when a fourth name popped out, they should have immediately questioned, right? Somebody has confounded the um, the Goblet. They've, they've done something to it. Why would they assume a fourth year would be able to do that? And if a fourth year was able to do it, why wasn't that a bigger problem? Well, but that I don't I don't feel like that's actually an explanation. I know I know, but I don't feel like that's an explanation. Barty Jr. did float a theory that that the goblet had been confounded to add a fourth school, and Harry was the only person from that fourth school to be entered. But here's the thing: the goblet is a magical artifact, and it should have known that Harry Potter wasn't actually. Um, Number one, a student of that school and that scoot school didn't actually fucking exist. And if it's the Triwizard Tournament, the, the goblet should have known which, th- which three schools were, were participating. It had to have known because otherwise it could have picked three students from Hogwarts and not picked any students from the other two schools. So that goblet had to know which three schools w- were participating. Somehow know which students were from which schools. Which means so. it should know that Harry is from Hogwarts. So, but but in any case, the, the thing is, is that I don't feel, feel like the explanation we got for how that even happened was explained well in canon in a way that made any kind of sense. Because just it was confounded doesn't actually make sense. Was everybody around that goblet confounded? Because obviously something the goblet had been tampered with. And why would they go, oh, the goblet's been tampered with. We should just go ahead. And why would they assume Harry was capable of doing that? Why would they then go, okay, well, um, they say that, but it doesn't actually make sense. Otherwise, literally anyone could throw anyone's name in and you're then bound to participate in that tournament. It's ridiculous. That is the ripple. That's what that means. It just doesn't make sense. My favorite theory is that the ministry um, and Barty Crouch Senior specifically, um, this was a tournament that that practically, practically, I mean, it was very um, old. It hadn't been done in a long time. Uh, The only star power in it was Crumb. Um, and Harry Potter will make them money. Right. Well, no, but see, <laughs> I I understand what you're, I understand what Canon said. Okay, I totally understand what Canon said, but it doesn't actually make sense. It doesn't make sense that competent adults would hear just because Barty Crouch says, "Oh, well, he has to participate." It, it, Reasonable adults would still sit there and go, okay, if he has to, he has to. If someone, if my 14-year-old's name popped out of a of a magical artifact, forcing him to participate, and they said, well, he has to participate, I'd be like, motherfucker, no, he doesn't. I don't think so. Then you're going to be playing three rounds of chess. So, the canon, the point about canon is the canon doesn't actually make reasonable sense. So... What Cannon had to say on the subject is actually completely irrelevant because that's why we're doing this podcast is because it there was no nothing reasonable about anybody's reaction. No, because it, even honestly, even the 17 year olds should have had the sense to go, how could this 14 year old kid who is like not curious at all and isn't even that good of a student manage to confound not only the goblet, but get past um, an age line that twins couldn't get past? 
So it's it's just it's it's a actually Reaper. It is my assumption that you said we're that we're assuming that adults were being were being truthful around Harry. It is my assumption that ninety nine percent of the adults in Harry Potter lied to him on a regular basis, like literally. But I'm not sure why. What you mean by I'm assuming the adults are truthful around Harry? I mean, yes, most of the story is told from Harry's point of view, but my point is, is that nobody they were pissed off. The other kids were pissed off, and the other teachers were pissed off. That's all from Harry's point of view. They were pissed off that Harry's participating, and yet they didn't question how he'd managed it. They didn't question whether or not this should be allowed to happen. They didn't question the reasonableness of it. So, and again, this is a case of, I'm not going down this path, but the, the, the this is a case of um, the author, okay, we could try to make sense of canon and try to make it make sense, but the bottom line is that it doesn't, because the author was so focused on telling Harry's story and having Harry have his adventure that the improbabilities were ignored, and it also the characterization of literally every adult was ignored. And I have to include Floor Crumb and um, Cedric Diggory in that group, which is like it, nobody questioned. All of their characterization was terrible. So TK asked, was there one adult that didn't lie to him? Yes, there was one. When he was born, his his mother named him Tom Riddle. He was also the most deeply invested adult in Harry's education. True. He did like to be sure that Harry was... Although he did, he was invested in him getting educated, but not being able to take his tests. True. He has no respect for the owl process. Right. But, you know, he was on time crunch, and things got, you know, hard. And He doesn't care if Harry, Harry gets his owls. He just wants him to be competent, I guess. Um... But um, let's let's let let's dig into a plot drift. Um, I have an idea. Go for it. So, what if there was someone lurking in the background, waiting for Dumbledore to make a very public mistake that couldn't be undone? No. Um, you can use uh. A canon character like Ted Tonks um, or Lucius Malfoy, if, if you go that route. Um, I personally would use an OC. I'm thinking McGregor, Jonah McGregor. You could use Augusta Longbottom. Yes, absolutely. And once he makes this mistake and demonstrates in a very public fashion that he is not working in Harry Potter's best interest, this adult now has the ability to challenge Dumbledore's guardianship of Harry Potter openly and publicly. They can call into the question the legitimacy of the goblet. If you give it if if you if you do someone like Jonah who works in the ministry and who is my headcanon for um Croker, unless I'm making Croker a bad guy and then he's to buy a savage. Um, but he works in the Department of Mysteries. He probably knows the goblet really well. Um, He'll know that, that it's been tampered with. And he will also, I mean, you could finagle it in such a way that he would know that Harry is not actually contractually obligated to participate until he actually participates. 
So if he refuses to participate in the first task, he will be dismissed from the tournament. But the moment he steps out into that arena to face that dragon, he committed to the tournament. Yeah, that's my headcanon is that uh um that that he, that participation is what seals the deal. That it's not your name popping out. And so he sues Dumbledore for custody of Harry Potter. And he wins. Because Dumbledore doesn't have a leg to stand on. Because Dumbledore knows knows all this too. And doesn't care. This was just another test for Harry Potter. It worked out for him. He was excited. In fact, we don't actually know for certain that it wasn't Dumbledore who confounded the Goblet of Fire. The assumption is, is that Barty Crouch Jr. did it while he was pretending to be moody. He's the one that put up the explanation, right? But is there any absolute proof that he did? No. What if all he did was put in like a charmed parchment or something like that, and it actually didn't work? And Dumbledore re- and Dumbledore realized that it didn't work, and he realizes what a good idea this is because obviously Tom Riddle has something in play and he wants Harry to have his annual confrontation. So he does the charming to ensure that it works. Someone says that that Dumbledore and the Ministry could delay the hearing. Um, Not if he goes to an international level and he could because the Ministry is also culpable for this 14-year-old boy being in this tournament. And Dumbledore is the chief is the the, um, high warlock of the Wizigamote? Mm-hmm. What a dumb word. Um, so if I were the person seeking, I would go to the ICW or you could do a body like the World Court or you know whatever you want to do on an international level because there's too much conflict of interest. Right, and the thing is... And, I don't then, think- and then they couldn't stop that train. Right, because I don't think that they could, honestly, if they're trying to get... if if the If the crux of the issue is... Harry participating, I mean, you'd have a, the legal chain of issue here, right? If Harry starts to participate, he's then contractually bound, which means any complaint that is lodged would have to be dealt with before he's obligated to that first task. But the thing is, all Harry has to do is say no. And if McGregor tells him, if you do not participate in this first task, you are not obligated to participate in the tournament. And Harry stays his ass in his room and doesn't even watch it. I'm not involved. I'm not involved. Fuck you very much. Um, But what also would be really interesting is if... See, Moody was actually Dumbledore's really good friend. And what if Dumbledore asked Moody to do it? Except it was, you know, Barney Cross Jr. Just, Just saying. I mean... He could have. There's nothing in Canada to say it didn't happen. Someone asked about kidnapping or forcing him. The thing is, is I don't think they would get away with that. I don't think it would count. Because I don't think it would count as willing participation. And moreover, do you want to be the one that forces the boy who lived? You want to toss the boy who lived into an arena with a dragon? Because that's what, that's what they would have to do. They would have to drag him out of Hogwarts, take him into the arena, and drop his little ass, all 100 pounds of him, in front of that dragon and walk away. But here's the thing. They have no way of knowing what Harry Potter would do after that. 
And that whole audience could watch that dragon eat Harry Potter. There are too many risks with that. The only way they get him into that arena as a participant is if he's willing. Yeah. Well, I there's there's also a um, I had a I talked about in a prior podcast about like an idea I'd had. Wow, she is being noisy. Um that uh that the the person who actually put the piece of paper in the goblet that their magical signature is who was bound to the tournament, not the name on it. Um and yeah, that, that and that um they can appoint a proxy and that that's what effectively um, the name on that piece of paper was, would be a proxy, but that if the proxy shows up and participates that they, then the proxy is then bound to the tournament. So what if Dumbledore knew that, but Moody didn't because Dumbledore had read the rules and that's why Dumbledore wasn't going to do the enchanting and dropping up the piece of paper. And is because in the event, Harry managed to get out of it, it wouldn't be Dumbledore on the hook. It would be Moody or in this case, Barty Crouch. Someone asked if Dumbledore would, would um, obliviate um, Moody. I don't think so. I think that Moody was um, Dumbledore's right hand. And I think that uh, he's um, Moody's a little too paranoid. To put his back to even... Even Dumbledore. Yeah. No, Dumbledore did not write the rules. The rules for the tournament were ancient. The, the tournament had been going on for hundreds of years before Dumbledore was even born. The only rule they apparently added to it later on was the one about there, you have to be an adult to participate. Which, you know, I don't actually consider a 17-year-old an adult, but okay. I honestly wouldn't want my 20-year-old nephew facing a dragon. That twenty-year-old was Charlie Weasley, apparently. <laughs> we actually do know um, Barty Crouch Jr. attacked Moody while he was at home. He set off the trash can alarm outside of Moody's house, and he got the best of Moody and took his place. And so, when Barty Crouch Jr. came to Hogwarts as Moody, he already had Moody in his trunk. Although all characters to be able to be set upon like that with with the lure of a, a noise outside it seems kind of ridiculous that it was moody yes and he was already drinking from the flask i think he had to have done it in the summer so he could get used to walking with that peg party crutch jr could not have just like polyjuice moody and then just immediately started to be able to use that peg leg he would have had to have worked for it or the eye, right. He would have had to have had some time to get used to. Well, Barney Cross Jr. had been um, on the loose for a couple of months at that point. He'd been under the Imperius for quite a few years, but he was magically competent enough to use Harry's wand to cast the Dark Mark. The Dark Sky Fairy thing. <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> so. I don't think he won a battle with Moody. I think that Moody um, went out there all blustering and pissed off. Because he thought some kid was fucking around with his trash cans. And he got stunned in the back. Okay. So your idea is that someone. Um, well, since you're plotting, who's your someone? I'm going to pick Jonah McGregor. Um 
and that he has just been kind of waiting in the background. He is, um, he knows the prophecy. Maybe Lily worked for him as an unspeakable. I've done that before. Um, and uh, so he knows the prophecy and he realizes that uh, shit's good, got, is, is, is going to get real, real quick. And he doesn't trust Dumbledore to, to really take care of it. Um, holy shit. So, um, and this is his opportunity. And he brings it all to bear. He forces the will out of out of hiding. He um, investigates the Dursleys. He listens to Harry Potter. Um, why wouldn't he have? If he's just been waiting for an opportunity, why wouldn't he have acted sooner? Because with the whole Chamber of Secrets thing, it's not like any of that was kept a secret. But that happened when Dumbledore wasn't actually in the school. All these incidents before, I mean, except for like the part where Sirius Black, which they covered up, um, the quarrel thing, which they covered up. I don't think that uh, the events of the Chambers of Secret was was all that explicitly revealed because Ginny didn't have any flack for having hosted the Dark Lord Spirit for a year. No one ever brought that shit up again. Well, true, but the the it's not like those kids were quiet about the fact that the Chamber of Secrets had been opened and the school was being terrorized. No, but you know what? They weren't quiet the whole year, and yet no parent showed up to take to take their kid out of the school. I, I mean, these kids are getting petrified left and right, and it's like what? None of the parents showed up when when there, there was a three headed dog in the school either. And don't and I don't I don't believe for a moment that Hermione was the only one who ever opened that door. The first year could unlock that door. That means practically every. Kid oh, every- in that school probably yeah. opened that door. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this is the first time where Dumbledore is publicly acting contrary to the welfare of Harry Potter in a very publicly noticeable fashion. This is an, an immediate, in the moment thing, not an after the fact thing. And as it stands, um, what his legal standing could be is he could be one of the guardians available on the list in the will. Maybe he's the next one in line after Sirius Black. Or it's like Sirius Black and then Alice uh, Longbottom and then Jonah McGregor. He, in the legacy, Jonah is actually James Potter's great uncle. His first wife um, was James's maternal um, Paternal aunt, I think. I have to look it up. Colin Creevy is a Muggleborn. Um, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Edie, um, don't we see Dumbledore and Voldemort in the same place in the fifth book? They duel. Yeah. I don't often use Doria Black as um, James's mother. I mean, I have, but it's not my preference. I prefer to use her as a grandmother or as an aunt. Um, and I prefer to use Christopher Potter as James's father, not um, Charles, um, which is what you would see on the Black Tapestry. And I don't even want to discuss the Fleamont, Euphemia. <laughs> I don't want to just... discuss Fleamont. Okay. <laughs> I just. I just don't. I just I just ignore it. It was just a ridiculous thing to just throw out there one day and traumatize the fans. 
Um, I think she was trolling us all. I think she's been trolling us all since about book five, actually. Um, and that's the point. I don't. It doesn't make sense that he would have named his kid normally, considering Wizarding World naming conventions. Okay, so Jonah sues for. Um, he gets a hold of Harry. He files probably an emergency injunction with the ICW to get them to come in and pull Harry out of the school, probably citing you know imminent danger, imminent threat to that kid's life. And um, and then what? You said he listens to Harry. He probably gets the whole story. He investigates the Dursleys. You know, I think that Vernon and Petunia end up in jail. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to Dudley, but he'll probably end up with Aunt Marge, and that's not good. Um, but uh, I think that uh, Dumbledore would probably lose his position as uh, High Warlock or Chief Warlock, whatever. Um, and I feel like that Fudge would probably lose his job as well because it would be revealed that the whole serious black matter and lack of the trial and the whole murder thing. Um, and then, you know, the fact that Harry Potter was attacked by Dementors not once, but three times. Um, why wasn't that a big deal? Well, why didn't any of those parents care that there were Dementors at the school? Right? It was everywhere. It was in the papers. They were on the train. They were at the train station. I imagine practically half the letters that went home the first week of school were complaining about how miserable and cold the school was because of the fucking dementors. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a real stretch to assume that just because it's not explicitly stated in canon that the adults were and the parents were told. Um but it it's happened not, on the train. It it it's not about privacy. It's about like your fucking soul, actually, because dementors eat souls. And it's about your life because these these kids didn't have to choose between privacy and safety. They didn't even get a choice. Number one, they were exposed to a dark creature for a whole fucking school year. A dark creature that was used to guard Death Eaters in Azkaban. They treated those kids at Hogwarts like fucking Death Eaters. I might have a few issues with the <laughs> I mean, honestly, honestly, it's like it's like Hannibal teaching elementary school or something. <laughs> <laughs> actually I think he'd actually be a very good teacher he's very patient <laughs> but you know what I mean it's, it's ridiculous Hannibal never targeted children um, that would be rude I don't think a muggle parent has a leg to stand on in the magical world number one they often can't even find the magical world without one of their children the only thing they can do is complain to their prime minister and write letters. That's it. They can't even enter the magical world unless they have a magical wisdom to show them where to go. So once a muggle parent like sends their kid to the to the train, they have no access to their kid until their kid comes back. They don't know where the school is. They can't find the Ministry of Magic. 
They have no ability whatsoever to even see the pub that has the entrance for Diagon Alley because it has muggle repelling charms on it. Okay. So let's, um, I thought we're way up where I don't even know where we are in the chat anymore. So let's stick with your plot drift. Um, so what comes out of um, Jonah? So does Jonah come in and get he and um, like literally take him from the school for his own safety until the ICW can, the ICW, well, I guess it wouldn't be Jonah. If Jonah, Jonah's the, the petitioner, then it would be like the ICW would be coming in and getting him, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the ICW would probably come in, confiscate the cup, um, take Harry, and call a halt to all facilities or all activities related to the tournament. Because now, I mean, it's it's questionable. Is it fraud? And here's this minor that the British government was trying to force to participate in a tournament they had determined was for adults only. That was their rule. Oh, and then, hey, look, we've got dragons. They They brought in fucking dragons. They brought in fucking dragons. If they had time to add a fourth dragon, they had time to think up another fucking event. For the tournament. Yeah. And what if what if them even doing that was actually skirting the the rules with the ICW? What if the ICW didn't even know about it ahead of time? Because maybe the people organizing the whole thing didn't want to be told they couldn't do it. You know, they feared they'd ask for for you know the whole gate ask for forgiveness instead of permission kind of thing. That they transported four dragons over Europe from um, nest, Romania nest, to nesting mothers, no less. Because can you imagine the ICW gets peti- pe- um, gets peti- well, petitioned to we'd like to we'd like to transport four nesting mothers from Romania to the UK, and they'd be like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but the the Chinese fireball came from Romania because Charlie Weasley brought them all. Brought all four dragons to Britain. So that preserve in Romania has more, has lots of different dragons. Well, they had a Welsh dragon. Um, well, there was the Welsh a, green, the Welsh green, the Chinese fireball. Um, what did Harry fight? I can't Norwegian, remember. Norwegian Ridgeback. And the Hungarian Hortel. Hortel. So they had, they had all these different dragons from different places. That they were preserving or studying or whatever. So... But it would be interesting if, if one of those dragons, like the Chinese fireball, was actually on loan to the reserve and they got her babies killed in canon. Her eggs were destroyed. So there could be all kinds anyway. of trouble from that. <clears throat> Just that particular thing. And then, you know, what would be really interesting is that ICW looked towards the, the lake and went... <sighs> How exactly did those mer people get in that lake? And why is that squid so big? I mean, because like they don't have sea access, and the giant squid is, is that lake has to be a saltwater lake, which means it's artificial. Can a squid like that live in fresh water? I mean, just a regular giant squid could they live in fresh water? I didn't think so. They could have underwater sea access. They could. But what if 
both species, which are not, they, I doubt seriously that they're actually um, indigenous to Scotland. What if they're both like not supposed to be there? And like today was like, why the hell do you have mer people in your lake? Aren't you taking this little magical sanctuary, little this little magical castle thing, a little bit too far? <laughs> it's like it's like all for aesthetics. I it's actually I don't think dragons are rare um, in Harry Potter, um, and I don't think they're endangered. But I do think that most of the dragon hide stuff that they talk about is from shedding because they are a reptile, which means they would be shedding their skin on a regular basis. Um, so I imagine the scales and the sheddings are what keeps preserves in business. They use shed skin and scales to fund their research and stuff. That makes sense. And their care. And then when a dragon's at the end of their life, they harvest all the parts, um, in including the heart for wands, um, so, that no so that nothing goes to waste. It's just my personal headcanon on that. Um, I think Muggleborn, and someone I mentioned earlier about Muggles and then Muggleborn parents. I think Muggleborn parents are so cowed by the whole system of the British government and um, that they go out of their way not to make waves. They they live their small life, they get their kids educated, and they and they don't make waves. They don't hold powerful jobs as a rule. They probably don't make a lot of money. And most of them went to Hogwarts and a lot of Britain at this time period thinks the sun shines out of Dumbledore's ass. Or that'd be arse. <laughs> well, to me it's ass, but it could be arse for them. <laughs> so... Yeah, Muggleborns don't have a lot of rights. That's really obvious in the way that dump that on on the way Umbridge is allowed to put them on trial. Um, I don't get that actually. What she said, the taint tan. Yeah, I don't. You remember that article about the people who were sunning their anus that has taken over? Um, oh yeah, on, I, I, I saw that, but I didn't actually click on it. Oh, it. <laughs> well. It was amusing. <laughs> Josh Brolin sun suntanned his butthole. Well, I get that was the end result, but his his but he did but he did it on purpose. <laughs> you know, men. <laughs> <laughs> Things I would not admit that I had tried. I wore a white bathing suit once when I was young. I was like nineteen or twenty, looking pretty cute too if memory serves. Um, and I wore a white bathing suit and it was transparent when it was wet. I was looking extra cute then. So uh, unfortunately I didn't realize that because it was transparent that, um, well, it was, it was transparent. So you wouldn't get tan lines, right? You add very minimal tan lines. Unfortunately, because of the, the way that it, that it was, um, my nipples sunburned. I got sunburned nipples once. It's very uncomfortable. I kind of get in the corner. How dare you fucking laugh? It was terrible. Um, uh, I didn't put uh, stuff there because I didn't put any stuff there where my bathing suit was going to be. Because I, I, I put the stuff on after I put my bathing suit on. Yes, they did. It was terrible, Jeep. 
it's really harsh on my sex life for a while. <sighs> Just saying. Yeah, I got I got sunburn sunburn the girls once and it was not uh it was not fun. Fun times were not had. It's terrible. Uh, I mean, if I had been going topless, I would have put sunblock on them, right? Because that would have made sense. Right. Yeah, of course. I basically just kept my two boobs in the, a vat of aloe for a week. I mean, it was ridiculous. <sighs> okay. So, I see a trial in this scenario. I see, yeah, a big-ass trial. But I actually don't see a very big fic here, though. I mean, because if it's all from Jonah's point of view, um, I can see it being between 25 and 30 or 40k because basically it's just him thumbing his nose at Dumbledore um, and right. maybe sending Harry to the International Academy of Magic afterwards so like okay kid <laughs> Hogwarts is not for you I know you like it because if they're listening to hear Harry um, even the, the, that would resolve the serious situation um, but even that wouldn't take a ton of extra words no, what I'm saying is, is that there isn't a whole lot of plot here. Um, there, there are no big subplots. Um, I think that if the ICW got in here and started really investigating Dumbledore, they would find Riddle, they would find the Horcruxes, and that would all happen in the background outside of Harry's POV and Jonah's POV. Um, and so it, it would kind of be like... Uh, this lawyer came, came into Hogwarts one day and said, hey, Harry Potter, your mom worked for me and I'm supposed to be your guardian, but Dumbledore's been interfering, but now I'm going to sue the fuck out of him. Would you pack your bag? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hermione? Oh, yeah. yeah. Dumbledore Netflix. Yeah, yeah. All the suing. All the suing. Suing will be had. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, 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 a, it's a pretty straightforward plot. Um, so there are not a lot of subplots. I wouldn't do a relationship for um, either one of the main characters. I think that um, Harry would be really pleased to start his fifth year at the International Academy um, and have Hermione show up to start with him, you know, because they're best friends. Um, and she's like, well, if you're going to go there, then I have no excuse to stay here at Hogwarts. So I'll move over. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, and Sirius gets free. Maybe Sirius just moves to Rome where, where Harry's going to be going to school. And it's just like Britain gets the finger. And Sirius talks to Hermione's parents and arranges for her to come to Rome to go to school with Harry so he'll have a friend. Maybe Neville comes. So he's like, I don't want to be a Hogwarts without Harry Potter. <laughs> it's not even fucking entertaining over here, Grandma. <laughs> There's nothing here now. Well, and, and Augusta might be like, well, since since Dumbledore is such an asshole, clearly, Neville. <laughs> I think you should go to the International. And Sirius Black has agreed to be your um, your uh, temporary guardian while you're there in case there's a problem. I don't really know how I feel about it, but they tell me he's innocent. <laughs> have fun. I think that because Ron wouldn't get an opportunity to conveniently change his mind after Harry did really well in the first task, that their friendship would never recover. Right, because Ron, yeah, if this where this would all be going down would be right when Ron would be being a massive dick. 
And the thing is, is if McGregor immediately moves him to the Air National Academy, Hermione might go with him. Because, you know, everything's, everybody's being a dick anyway. Right. I mean, so it would just depend on, you know, what you wanted to write there. But either way, it's not a very big plot because there are no subplots. It has a very straightforward premise. I mean, it might be 50K if you're very generous with your with your time. Um, but there's not... And, of course, the court scene itself would probably be two or three chapters. <laughs> But there's not a lot here. There's not a lot of, there are no subplots because you wouldn't be dealing, I wouldn't be dealing with, with Voldemort or the Horcruxes or the Hallows or Dumbledore. Um, this would just be, just be about Jonah McGregor getting the opportunity to step up and um, be an adult for Harry Potter because no one else is doing it. And would Jonah actually like raise Harry, stay with him as, as, you know, be actually be his guardian or would it, you know, become more le- leaning towards switching over to Sirius. I don't know. I mean, because that would actually open it up for a lot more content, right? Um, if he's just um, doing a lot of legal maneuvering to fuck Dumbledore over, which is always Jonah, you know, um, one of Jonah's main goals in life is to fuck Albus Dumbledore over as often as possible because um, he hates him because he's a cockblock. Um, and so it's like, uh, if he sends the kid to, I mean, he would have to bring Harry home every, every summer. Cause he is, I mean, if I, if I, if I make him croaker, he has a big responsibility in Britain. Um, especially with the whole riddle mess and the horcruxes, um, which will play the background after the story is over, because this is just fourth year and without Harry Potter in play, um, unless the riddle kidnaps Dumbledore, he's going to have a hard time getting resurrected. Well, they've already got Moody, though, right? But doesn't it have to be the blood of the enemy? And while Dumb- and while Moody might consider Voldemort his enemy, does Voldemort consider Moody his enemy? I mean, I think that really Voldemort has two enemies in Harry Potter. That's Harry Potter and Dumbledore. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends upon how you how how you like position it. Um. He might try to use Dumbledore if the ICW doesn't catch up with him first. Well, because I think once they got a hold of the goblet, they would know that. Um, I think they would start investigating the school. And, hey, here's fake Moody, and and I, you know, it's actually honestly in my head canon that Polyjuice has a very unique smell, and that I think some people probably would be able to smell it. Well, especially McGregor. It can't. It cannot taste as bad as it does, apparently, and have no odor. And someone like McGregor, who works as Department of Mysteries, who works with Unspeakables, would know intimately what um, Polyjuice potion smells like. Yeah, I would think McGregor would. But we just discussed. It's a matter of if it's a matter of if Voldemort's perspective. It doesn't matter whether Dumbledore is actually Voldemort's enemy or not. It's about what Voldemort thinks. And I think Voldemort, in his mind, he has two enemies. And that's Dumbledore and Harry Potter. But at one time, it might have been Dumbledore, Neville Longbottom, and Harry Potter. But he marked Harry Potter as his equal. And Dumbledore is the only one he's ever run from. I mean, you could... But 
you just need to build a magical theory and stick with it. So if it's anybody who's in opposition to him, which would have to be something that could be magically tested, right? Um, then you could have a snafu where he tries to use Dumbledore and Dumbledore is not actually in opposition to him and magic rejects it. So the resurrection ritual fails, but you just have to make sure it's internally consistent. So if you really wanted Dumbledore to it to be revealed in that way, I mean, I, I don't know that I would, what, I, what I would get out of that. So no, it doesn't really appeal to me as a plot um, option. Um, I read a story once where Moody had a habit of drinking out of a flask his whole life, and that's why nobody had a caught on to you know fake Moody doing it. Um, and it's because Moody um, had a problem with constipation, and then he drank prune juice like a lot every day to stay regular. That's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> It is very specific. That's why it sticks out of my brain years later. I was like, that is, that is okay. Specific. <laughs> you dug deep on that author and it's stuck in my brain for years. In Phoenix, which is also an adult um, versus the Goblet of Fire, but Phoenix isn't, is a little bit of an enabler um, and approaches it from a different angle. Uh, Harry actually does tell uh, Lucius Malfoy um, that, that he can take his blood and Voldemort's pissed because <laughs> it's ruined the ritual because now they can't take it without permission because the kids already given them permission to do it. But that was Phoenix's plan. Yeah. Tell them they can take your blood. That works. Um, I'm actually precariously close to finishing Phoenix. So we'll see. Maybe next year sometime. You're precariously close to finishing the one you're in process with, too. Yes, yes, I'm precariously close. I, I, I really do believe three chapters. Okay, so that's one idea. Um, I think it would actually, honestly, be be not very big because there's not a whole lot of plot there. I mean, you could add like subplots. Like you could add a romance plot for Jonah. Maybe he finally gets Minerva to go out with him again. You know, <laughs> whatever shakes your tree. Um. Maybe Harry asks Hermione to come to Rome with him, and she has no reason to stay in Britain, so she goes. And so, you know, you, you could do a little subplot like that, but, so, but they're not necessary to, to the thrust of the story. Because um, it isn't what the story's about. It'd be really interesting to end it with one, like, with um, maybe Crumb winning the tournament. Like, Harry, like, sees it in a paper or something. Or hears it on the wireless. Yeah, I, I would write Jonah, um, but I think if Augusta was going to interfere, she would have already interfered. So if you were going to do an, an Augusta interferes, I would probably do it during first year. Like have Neville write home and say, hey, Gran, um, Harry Potter's clothes don't fit and he's underweight. And I don't think his glasses are up to prescription. And um, he told him um, he told me that his aunt makes him sleep in a cupboard. And a few weeks later, Augusta sends him a letter to let Harry Potter know that he that he's to come home with him for Yule because his muggle relatives are missing. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, 
whatever zoo they have in London's got a couple of new hippos. <laughs> they just appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> a hippo and a giraffe. No, I mean a hippo, uh, like a hippo and a emu or an ostrich. Yeah, I could see ostrich. Yeah, Dumbledore will be flummoxed. Like, where do they go? <laughs> I can't find them anywhere. Dudley has to go live with Aunt Marge, which is like all the punishment possible. That is cruel. <laughs> I'm just saying. I guess it doesn't play. At least that's how that's how I would write her. But I would also write her like you know. Like Harry asking, so what did you do? I mean, when that butthole threw Neville out the window, and she would be like, "Oh, well, you know, he's been missing ever since. If he ever shows up, I'm going to give him a stern talking to." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just turned Augusta Longbottom into a serial killer. Yes, I did. <laughs> well, not really a serial killer. I think she just likes to procure and donate animals to the London Zoo. <laughs> She's an anonymous benefactor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like like serious crack, but also funny. It is funny. And it would amuse me like if she's just like people who fuck with her end up being permanently transfigured into um animals and donated. There's a new peacock in the London Zoo named Lucius. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 he'd be a ferret. <laughs> she could, you know, unless she is killing them, which, you know, also is very appealing to me. Um, the gardens at Longbottom Manor, Manor have never looked better. <laughs> She's turning people into fertilizer. <laughs> Just saying. But no, I, you know, I think that honestly, it has to be somebody kind of like outside of the situation who finally sees an opportunity to interfere because it's such a public situation that they can't contain. And the ICW couldn't be encouraged to ignore at Dumbledore's behest because he's the supreme mugwump at the time. Um, in fact, he would probably lose his position there as well. Because uh, he, he would, I guess, it might be the world court of magic because he wouldn't have any influence there. You know, in, in, in my personal headcanon, that would be the only place at that point he doesn't have influence because there would be no conflict of interest there. He held too many jobs, number one. Yeah, how could he do all those jobs? It's just crazy cakes. Well, he didn't. What happened was, is Minerva McGonagall did his job at Hogwarts. <laughs> but it could be interesting also if Harry Potter was like, Hermione, are you sure this is legal? Can you look, look into this? And she starts sending out letters to people. And she comes across someone who's like, you know what? This isn't legal. <laughs> this is really fucking illegal. They're lying to this kid. And whether they interfere for their own amusement or because they're outraged is up to you. I mean, there has to be people just just waiting for an opportunity to fuck Dumbledore over. Yeah, you get some ambitious lawyer who um, sees an opportunity to make a name for themselves 
uh, just throwing lawsuits around. It's all it would take. We don't actually know what the ICW does. Do we? No, we don't. No, not really. I mean, are they really? I mean, maybe they just meet once a year and complain. I mean, I would. He's the head complainer. Right. Well, considering how, and if the reason I wouldn't do that personally is because the British Ministry of Magic is so remarkably ineffectual that I just would not want to write all of magical government being remarkably ineffectual. Um, right. Because it doesn't give you anywhere to go. So uh, it's just that, no, it doesn't work for me. Otherwise, because I mean, I've I've read stories, Harry Potter stories, particularly Harry Potter authors like to do this, where they give themselves so many obstacles, there's just no way to dig themselves out. And right. you gotta you gotta walk that balance between you know the tension you need, the conflict you need to carry your your plot through, versus giving yourself so many obstacles you can never end your story. You know, your your characters are just gonna wind up subjugated for all of their entire life or something. So I, I would not, I would not. Personally, if I if I did write the ICW being ineffectual and sort of powerless, then I would need to create a new body, legal body that had some level of power, and it's just less work just to make the ICW actually have some real authority, right? And I'm got that's right. I'm all for the path of least resistance. I'm trying not to kick my glass of water over since the glass of water is sitting on my bed. That'd be bad. Well, once Harry Potter gets somebody willing to listen to him talk, he has a lot to say. There's his godfather's innocence. There's the whole thing with Riddle and the diary and Quirrell being possessed. I mean, this kid's got a lot. He could just, just. And they brought this stupid tournament to Hogwarts. I'm not going to play Quidditch for a whole year. <laughs> They canceled Quidditch for three events that that could all take place in November and be done. So there's like this thing about custody being difficult to get. It's come up like at least three times now. Um, the thing is, there's a couple of things I would just challenge about that. First of all, it wasn't hard for Dumbledore to get custody of Harry. Right. So it can't be that difficult. There's canon precedent to kind of counter the idea that it'd be difficult. But second of all, I think that the way Kiris mentioned writing it would be that Jonah would be mentioned in the will. So it wouldn't actually be difficult. All that difficult. But he, assuming the Dumbledore ICW awarded custody to the Dursleys by dropping Harry on the step like a bottle of milk and walking away. So it isn't doesn't seem like it's actually all that um difficult in the in the muggle in the magical world. But also even if you wanted to put yourself that challenge in front of yourself of there not being like a named guardian, um, which really casts James and Lily in a very negative light, uh, what you would do then is that you would treat it like if you're having the ICW be a competent and moral um, legal body, you would have them, they would determine who Harry's guardian would be from, from the pool of potential candidates and presumably if if you're making them not morally bankrupt people on that list would not be people like death eaters you know and it probably wouldn't even be anybody in britain at all considering how britain had treated him 
And honestly, at 14 years old, they would take his wishes into consideration. Right. So it can be really easy, I think, to get wrapped around the axle with with what's going with the way things work in the in the real life in the real, real life in the real real world. Um, I don't think we know anything in canon about the wills. Uh, I think the ass- assumption is that there wasn't a will, or that it was sealed. It has to be kind of one or the other because otherwise it makes James and Lily look very bad that they would have wanted Harry to go to her hateful sister. So Fannin with the business about the sealing of the wills and Dumbledore making the decision about Harry's custody, that Fannin I think um, is to help preserve people's characterization. Because otherwise right, because James, James and Lily seem very They were in the middle of a war? Right, and they didn't take any kind of precautions about their son's custody? Really? The thing is, is if the will is being held in limbo or in or it's being sealed by the the wizard moat, um, whoever is on the will would have to have some kind of legal argument to contest Dumbledore's magical guardianship of Harry Potter. He is the leader of the light. He is the chief warlock. He is the headmaster of the school. And he is the supreme mugwump of the ICW. This is not an enemy you make lightly. So if he had tried Harry Potter's first year, if he'd been trying the whole time, he could have been stonewalled repeatedly. And told to sit down and shut up. And it could be that whoever it is that is your person who's coming to Harry's rescue... It could be a realistic consequence that, as Harry grows to understand the situation, that, you know, he might be irrationally angry with this person for knowing that Harry wasn't in a good situation, but not getting him out of it. Even if the person realistically couldn't have done anything more than they did because of Dumbledore's power and authority, it wouldn't change Harry being probably justifiably angry. And so it could be a reason to then insert like getting serious like serious until the wheel uh, until the letter until the hogwarts letter was sent to harry no one in the magical world knew where harry potter was except for three people um dumbledore minerva and hagrid and i think that hagrid was probably spelled to forget because he can't keep a secret right no one knew where harry potter was until he got his letter Oh, yeah, and Arabella. Big. So, people saw him, but they weren't supposed to know where he lived. So, you can work it any way you want to. You can lampshade it to fit your um, your idea. You just gotta be consistent. That, that's always the rule. You gotta be consistent. Sirius did find him during third year, but Sirius probably knew where Petunia lived. I imagine that Remus did too, but Remus never bothered to go check on him. But it wasn't like Harry Potter's address was published in The Prophet. So the only way that um, Sirius could have possibly known is because he always knew where um, Petunia lived. I don't know. I mean, Arthur Weasley is supposed to be in, um, like, an expert on muggles, and he can't even mail a letter or use a telephone. Well, I imagine Remus can get around the muggle world just fine. Right. Um, and clearly Sirius didn't have a lot of issue with it. 
Although why he didn't just stay in the muggle world is perhaps a better question. Right? Um, the thing is, is like, yeah, you can do, you can lampshade it. The thing is, is that no one knew how bad, except I think for probably Dumbledore and Arabella Fig, knew what Harry Potter's life was um, on Privet Drive. Because if there had ever been a report to a child welfare, welfare office, they'd have all been in jail. Because Harry Potter lived in a fucking cupboard. Which is abuse, Joanne. I mean, I'm just saying. But the whole thing with, with the wards, and um, that's very thin, um, too, in canon. Uh, but you got to decide what elements of canon you want to use, and which ones you want to redevelop, and how you want to redevelop them to work for your story. Because it, it comes down to consistency in your work, not consistency in hers. Because there's no consistency in hers. And it, and you got to be careful. Don't let yourself get too wrapped around the axle of trying to account for all the canon variables and trying to fix them all. Because you what, what you wind up with is... I've seen people try to do this, and they wind up with a story that actually winds up making less sense than canon. Because it starts to feel... I know, right? It starts to feel very like, what are they trying to do with this? It starts to feel weirdly contrived. Um, would TK go to the corner? And stay there. I'm have to create yes, I'm gonna have to create a new corner for sending some of you people to the the real the real punitive corner. <laughs> the corner you have to stay in. Not Queenie's corner corner of fun and snark no <laughs> no you can't take your soup it's the place you go to think about all of your poor choices I mean if you want to get into a, a real deep argument about the wards we can because here's the thing about the wards if they protected him from Voldemort, how did Quirrell almost kill him first year? If they protected Harry Potter, how did he almost die in the Chamber of Secrets with a basilisk bite set upon him by Voldemort? What wards are we talking about? The blood wards on Private Drive were supposed to protect Harry Potter. But His aren't mother's they on protection. But aren't they on Private Drive? What does that have to do with what happened in the Chamber of Secrets? That's the point, though. All they do is protect Privet Drive. Right. So there was no reason whatsoever for Harry Potter to ever go back there. Right. It's a stupid argument. Because they don't actually do anything for him. They only protect him when he's in the Muggle world, so don't put him in the Muggle world. I mean... Right, because he could be behind a Fidelis with a, well, with a reliable secret keeper, and no one would ever know where he is. But they didn't. It was just an opportunity to make sure that Harry Potter was abused at least once a, a book, right? Because they didn't protect him when he was at school, so all any Death Eater had to do was follow him to school, right? So, although I have seen like stories where like the wards cover like this huge neighborhood that includes the school and shops and stuff, so that Harry can wander, I'm like, really, really? That's an that's an What is it? <sighs> really? Well, the, all the Death Eaters have to do is drive around enough, and eventually they're going to bump into a big, giant neighborhood they can't go, and they're going to go, he's in there. <sighs> so how did wards on Privet Drive help Harry in Scotland? Why would they? How, how did that even come up? It's just, 
They didn't. The protection that Lily gave him is inside Harry Potter. It's in him. It's in his blood. Right. The wards on Privet Drive are nothing. They only protect Petunia. And some, Harry when he's there. Some sort of bizarre compensation for um, her putting Harry in a cupboard. <laughs> Apparently. But I think the thing with Quirrell and Harry was actually like an internal ma magical reaction. Um, maybe his mother sacrificed something to do with it, but I don't think the wards on Privet Drive had, they had fuck all to do with it. That's just, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's what Kana tells us, that, that it's an extension of Lily's protection, except that implies that Lily cast those wards. I think what makes logical sense is that Lily's protection is on Harry. It's on his because of his scar, right? But that and it's containing Voldemort's whatever remnant of Voldemort's there. That's keeping it contained and keeping it from tainting Harry's magic. But that the blood wards were probably used. This could be creepy as fuck, but he could have Dumbledore could have harvested blood from Lily to cast those wards. He probably did. I mean, probably after, you know, Snape cuddled the corpse for an hour or two. <laughs> But I mean, what is he going to use to cast blood wards, right? Harry's blood? That's, he's, he's an infant. The wards were already on the house when they brought Harry Potter to the house. Well, but Harry was not, Harry didn't go straight from, right. he didn't go straight from um, Godric's Hollow to the house. He, there's a day that, that Harry was, who knows where. It's completely not explained. Because... I don't think Dumbledore encouraged Petunia to treat Harry badly. I, I do think he knew she would and didn't care. Yeah. He didn't have to encourage anything. As his mom think you sound sweet. <laughs> She's very confused. <laughs> yeah, he did say it in the fifth year. That he, um, um, he did tell Harry that he knew his years on Privet Drive would be dark. Um, but that made sense to Dumbledore because, after all, Harry Potter was Tom Riddle's equal. So, of course, he had to have a miserable childhood. Tom Riddle had a miserable childhood. Well, he was hated for being magical, so why should Harry Potter's childhood be any different? Although, in the um, orphanage, they didn't know why Tom Riddle was different from them. They just knew he was. And that was enough for kids to mistreat him because kids are kids terrible little monster beasts that they are. I mean, if you wanted to write it in such a way that it wasn't so much about Harry's custody, but about the goblet itself, you could have someone come in, say, from the ICW or the World Court or um, an unspeakable like Jonah and say, you know what? Actually, um, this whole tournament is called off because the Goblet of Fire has been tampered with. Um, oh, it actually could be, you could actually write it where the Goblet of Fire is a artifact of the bank um and you could have uh the the chieftain of the bank the director of the bank ever how you want to write it um recall the goblet and say you can this is you have you have damaged the goblet of fire and your tournament is canceled because i mean you could actually write it where tampering with the goblet was actually a offense that violated a treaty between the goblins and wizards 
because it's a goblin artifact. And honestly, it is really difficult to say the word goblin now. I have headcanoned myself into, in, into thinking it's a slur. Um, yeah, diverger. But um, I don't... I mean, people who listen to the podcast might not know what Diverger is. They might not you know, have read the particular story that I did that in. So I'm trying to um, keep the material relevant to the entire audience that might listen to this versus, you know, the audience that, you know, reads my fan fiction. So, yeah. But if you say that the Goblet of Fire is actually a goblin artifact and that them. Oh, really, Margaret? Wow. I had no idea. That's ugly. Um, it you can say that the Goblet of Fire belongs to the bank, and that by oh god, yeah, they did. They made the goblins in Harry Potter really greedy and and money oriented, like a Jewish stereotype, an ugly Jewish stereotype at that. I mean, well, not that most stereotypes are ugly. Um, you know what I mean? That's just that is that is that is heinous. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Um, but what I was saying is, is that you can make the Goblet of Fire an, a, um, an object of the bank. Like their magic, they created it um, and the ministry borrowed it and let somebody fuck it up and it, it, it violated a treaty and now everybody's in a strope and things are going to get fucked up. I got back and um, Apparently, goblin is a Jewish is a slur against Jewish people. I mean, we t you and I talked about this the other day. You totally messed me up with me hearing goblin as a slur. Now, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. <laughs> Apparently, it is a slur, like like, like legitimately <laughs> against Jewish well, people. Well, Tolkien was obviously not intending goblin to be. A positive thing, right? So it's really not clear what what J.K. Rowling was intending. No, she she just made a whole bunch of little greedy bankers and called them goblins. She must not like that so many people try to make them a force for good. But the Juaro and the goblins are two distinct species in Lord of the Rings, so that's not the same thing doubt she knew what you think she didn't know that she was basing a lot of her stuff on tolkien that's crazy cakes man oh no that that goblin is a slur for, for jewish people well why would i keep saying it's, it's, it's ugly it's, it's so ugly <clears throat> but i had no idea but uh, also up until about a decade ago i didn't know that gypsy was a slur so now now whenever i see it i'm just appalled yeah for a while there, there was a book on my Kindle that kept advertising called The Gypsy King. I was like, oh. <laughs> stop showing up on my on my Kindle. You know, because I have ads on my Kindle Fire. I paid the 20 bucks to get rid of that. I'm like, I can't deal anymore. You, you can do that after the fact? Yeah, you can pay on any device that has ad sponsored. You can pay 20 bucks to get rid of ads. Let me write that shit down because I am I am real tired of it. Your ads are pissing me off. Most paper whites have ads too. You just don't have one with an ad. Because I had my paper white. I, I bought with sponsored content and I paid the 20 bucks to get it dismissed. 
Yeah, I my Paperwhite didn't, but my Kindle after it or before it did. And then when I got my fire, I was like, fuck it, I don't care. Um, but obviously, I, I care more than I thought I would. So, um, <clears throat> but I think the word goblin actually predates um, it being used as a slur. And I think because of the way the goblins have been described so often in fiction, it became a slur. That makes sense? Yeah, I just, after that chat we had that day about the way Tolkien perceived, you know, obviously perceived goblins and um, that she was not, I don't think that, you know, that obviously J.K. Rowling was not intending for goblins to be taken as positive characters, um, that it just became really difficult because I haven't written anything where I depict the goblins as being um negative right and sometimes they're they're a very positive force in the story so it then becomes i don't know it just feels ugly yeah i mean i remember reading about goblins um in 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 folklore when i was in college fairies brownies it's about context but um i have kind of headcanon myself when it comes to the goblins and diverger um in my in my own work, um, to the point where I kind of want to go back and edit my old work <laughs> to take it out. <laughs> yeah, well, I think in the I think in the Harry Potter context, I um, it's hard for me to to not see it that way because of the because so, of the the large number of tie-ins to Tolkien, and Tolkien did not use goblin in a positive way. And for the record, I am saying that word um, kind of wrong. Well, wrong, actually, because it's a Norwegian word, diverger. Um, but because of the context that I'm using it in, I didn't, number one, I have a hard time saying the Norwegian version of the word. And number two, I didn't feel like it fit. Um, so I kind of um, took it from my own. But the word D-V-E-R-G-E-R -E -E is Norwegian, and it actually means dwarf. So, or dwarves. Just for reference. If I were going to have Minerva act, I wouldn't have it act her act during the fourth year. Because she's been there for all of Harry Potter's trauma up front, lo loud and clear. And has done nothing. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't see that. If I were to do a story where Minerva does something, I would have her act in first year. I would not do it fourth year. That's just, I wouldn't. Mm-mm. So that that wouldn't be this plot drift for me. That'd be something else. So what would you do? Well, I know it's any competent adult versus the Goblet of Fire is our plot drift. But what if um what if um what if it was the other three champions who did something? What if Okay. What if um they got over their snit and they got to talking or maybe just one of them. Maybe it was flourish. Maybe she was talking to her parents and they gave her like a little real reality check and said, how, how could an, a 14 year old break the enchantments on a, a magical artifact of that age? Because he didn't just get past the age line, is what you're saying. You're saying he confounded the, the goblet to such a degree that it thought there was a fourth school? And then what if that gets her to thinking? And what if she talks to Victor and Cedric? 
and they're all like, okay, so something very strange is going here because do we agree? And it could be, that, do we agree that Harry Potter didn't do this? Okay, so if we agree that he didn't do it, what is going on? And then Cedric might give the, be able to give them some insight about, well, Harry's had a really rotten string of luck, and he tells Victor and Fleur about what he knows of what's been going on since Harry Potter came to the school. And maybe Fleur then gets back in touch. So, well, all before, um, all before the first task. And so maybe they um, get in touch with, um, he gets, she gets back in touch with, I don't think Karkaroff is going to be very helpful, but Madame Maxine might be, although maybe that they would know that it's not real reliable to talk to any of the headmasters in, in any fashion. Um, because if they, if they notice that Madame Maxine is having a, a fondness for Hagrid, that they might consider that she might say something out of turn, or you could have her be good. But anyway, so she, let's say Fleur and Victor get in touch with their parents. I don't think that Cedric would think his father would be all that helpful, because his father also potentially would know Dumbledore. And so what if so you get this international influence with the Delacours and the Crumbs, and maybe Fleur asks, we want to read the rules. We want to read them very carefully uh, beyond what we've been given by the, by the tournament, because it seems like something's not right here. Um, what if the tournament can, get, can be canceled any t as long as the first task hasn't happened? And um, they gather a bunch of information, and they go sit down, they talk to Harry, and they go, well, look, this is what we found out. And what, what do you want to do? What if Harry goes, I don't want to comp I don't want to compete in this tournament. <laughs> well, no, because he doesn't. He really doesn't. He's like, I really don't want to. If you could get me out of it, that would be great. Um and what if what if um what the Delacours find out is that th the worst that happens is that they reinitiate since the first task never happens, is that they just cause the they just start over. And then the risk to the champions is that they're not the champions who are chosen. And maybe they're all go, they're all fine with it. They go, that's fine. We'll, we'll take the chance that we're not chosen to be the champions if we can just start this whole thing over again. But in the meantime, it sets off this chain of events of like, well, why didn't these people who knew that they could just do the start over, why didn't they do that? And maybe it gets them to wondering, you know, what, what is the agenda here with this 14-year-old? Um, well, I don't think they would need to. Boycott feels like it would be a very dramatic thing, and I think that they're all smarter than that. Um, they just need to get their parents to come in and say, I don't think so. We're starting over. Because clearly, um, if the cu cup was confounded, and then they could even, Crumb could even say, well, if I wasn't, you know, if, if what if I was chosen because the cup was confounded? Do I want to be, that doesn't seem fair to whoever it should have been even if he's confident that he's going to be chosen. So it'd be kind of putting all three of the kids in a different role in a different light. Um, it'd be really interesting that, that when the, it gets recast, that that kid from Slytherin that put his name in was the one that got chose. Instead of Cedric Diggory? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It does inadvertently foster the international cooperation. It would just be a different angle to kind of pers to, to kind of bring people into Harry's sphere from outside um, who could then look into his circumstances. Um, and in the meantime, I think it'd be something very difficult for, Dumb for Dumbledore to counter because 
up until a point, he's not going to have any any ground, any leg to stand on, right? They're going to go. If you've got very, if you've got powerful, reasonable parents saying, "This is not the way this is going to work," we're going to start over. What what is he going to say? No. We've looked at the well, he rules. He can't say no because it's literally in the rules, right? right? Those rules that say, "Oh, we have to follow the rules." Yeah, you do, motherfucker. You have to follow the rules. So all he can do is go along with it, and and any attempts he makes to try to keep Harry in the competition, um, is going to make him look bad. He might be able to get one or two protests out. Oh, I'm sure young Mr. Potter will be fine. Really, you're sure? Are you? Um. So he could probably make a, a protest once or twice, and then it starts to look ridiculous. So he he eventually has to let this happen. Um, and then, but the thing is, they can't just start right away. They have to figure out what happened to the cup. Because there have to be cancellation protocols built into that cup. There have to be. Otherwise, you could accidentally start a tournament. <laughs> just, oh, so three or four people, you know, in, in the Department of Mysteries suddenly are obligated to go fight, fight a dragon or something. And that's how every year the Department of Mysteries has a chess tournament. Right. <laughs> Because and what if what if th- what if the nature of the challenges is something that they could have been had controlled? You could even go that route that instead of canceling the tournament and starting over, they just do three softball challenges that they all participate in, and they're told that they're not going to actually get the monetary prize. They're going to, but on the other hand, you could they could have an issue they don't get chosen again. But I do like the idea of the three other champions being the driving force behind making this more fair and people you know people might try to collect the slytherins would probably you know at the slytherins as they're depicted in canon i don't have a problem with slytherins but as they're depicted in canon would probably taunt them like oh you afraid of having to go against potter or something like that and they could just or whoever says that to them could just be kind of they could be kind of rita would say something like that and they could all be kind of like no we don't want someone who is not magically ready to and who didn't even want to participate in this be forced to that's ridiculous it's abusive Oh, you could say, uh, actually, I don't look forward to watching a 14-year-old murdered. Yeah. Or killed. Massacred. Maimed for life. Do you? And actually, you know, like Florek, I see her saying very snottily to Rita Skeeter, say, while, you know, the heads of this school and the British ministry might be, find it acceptable to watch a 14-year-old child be murdered, it's not something we in France find acceptable. Well, I think the way she depicted it in canon was that the the three other champions were so indignant that Harry had cheated that they just couldn't remember to be decent about the whole thing. And but the thing is none of them were stupid. Right. So it should have been obvious that Harry did not put his name in that goblet. Well, I do think you could go the way of the like softball, you know, where they they kind of do f- the fluffy version of the tournament. Everything is just simpler. Um, the issue then becomes, but there's something to be said about causing an international brouhaha. Uh huh. I would I would definitely want to have an international brouhaha. <laughs> but the thing about the softball version, the, the little league version of the tournament, is that it then winds up being very punitive potentially to the people who are helping Harry, um, which is the obvious consequence, right? Is that Harry, because if they're, if they're chosen 
how do they decide which one of them actually winds up winning? And I would imagine once you're chosen as a Triwizard Champion, you don't get chosen again. So odds are their names would never come out of that cup again. The other side of it is is that um, this tournament was was canceled and put aside for many, 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 many decades. Um, so it isn't like any of them have like a point of pride. Like their school won it last year, so I have to win it this year. It's it's been on the shelf for being too dangerous. And obviously, based on the results of the drawing, it's still too dangerous because they can't even trust the cup. Right. So what they could do is actually, like, cancel it, let the decision for the three main champions stand and dismiss Harry Potter from the tournament, and then just have the other three participate without being magically contracted to do so. Well, true. Yeah. They could say, hey, you guys are going to compete. We've already got the challenges lined up. So you're going to compete, and whoever completes it is going to win. That yeah. doesn't have to the fire. The cup doesn't have to be involved. And they didn't the amount of planning involved in it. The other schools, um, the travel, the the animals that they brought to bear. I would say that the Ministry of Magic and Barty Crouch Senior was probably planning the tournament around the beginning to the middle of second year. Yeah, at least a year in advance, but more than a year makes sense. Because, you know, they're having to send international owls and, you know, uh, they have to get permissions from certain people to, to, to they have to source the actual animals that are in the maze um, so that it couldn't be just up for, okay, we'll just decide when we get here what animals go into it. Um, some of them, like like the Sphinx, had to be brought in from another country, right? I they brought think so. The dragons weren't brought in until after the drawing. After the Goblet of Fire. So by the time the dragons were transported to Britain, they knew they had four champions. So this version of the plot would be even shorter, I think, than this idea would be even shorter. Because it would mostly center around getting the tournament stopped. And then I would probably end it at the... I mean, there'd be potential to move on and have the... I. I show the potential of there's like there's like competent adults looking into Harry's situation, and then probably let the readers draw their conclusion. But I would probably end the story at the tournament beginning for the three actual champions. So on about back to that confounded thing. There's a crack fic in Harry Potter where Harry figures out this whole confounded thing is some bullshit, and he's like, "Well, not bullshit, but like if that's really possible, I'm gonna fuck all y'all over." And so he gets he orders a whole box of legal parchment <laughs> and writes out a whole bunch of contracts and confounds them and signs them. And like, he makes Lucius Malfoy swear on his magic that he's never hurt anybody. And of course he loses his magic. Like, he, he decimates <laughs> magical Britain <laughs> using a confundus charm and a stack of legal parchment. <laughs> that, I mean, it's funny, but it doesn't actually make any sense, but it it makes as much sense as canon. So <laughs> right, right. He spares no one, and um, some of them like they don't activate. He just sets it aside because they will eventually. Like you know, Draco got one. Um, he hadn't really done anything evil yet, but you know, Harry's pretty sure he will eventually. And it's just like it's just it's on fanfiction.net. as most Harry Potter stories are. Um, and Willow, of course, was able to pull it up. And um, 
It's called Magical Contracts by Kaylin Darkmoon. And we will put it in um, the pink the um, the library. I mean, it's crack, but it's hilarious. He spares no one. Well, you know, honestly, fanfiction.net's format has never really bothered me. Their um, haphazard uh, approach to, to uh, handling abusive commenters does bother me. And the fact that you can't link works in a series also bothers me. Kind of annoying. Yeah. To get, it, to, um, to get to the bottom of a fic and to get an author note, it says, if you want to read the sequel, go back to my profile and then scroll down <laughs> through 45 fics to find the sequel called. Because <laughs> you can't even do links. Anyways, I'm a little bitter. You might have noticed. Well, they don't really have, I don't think they're at all invested in in making the making the site work better. I mean, they've they've no. They've made very minimal changes in, in um since in, oh, 10 years. Yeah, that I know of. I mean, I mean they went live I think in 98, but in I've been reading pretty regularly on fanfiction.net since for at least a decade and the changes have been really minor. They've they've addressed very little of what people have asked them to address, and you know that they ha they make a fuck ton in ad revenue. Oh, fucked, but they but they don't address um, issues with abusive commenters. Um, they are um, they're not good about um, uh, handling plagiarism complaints. Um, they're just they suck. Mm -hmm. They are heavy handed with um, the removal of slash, where they will leave explicit het. And in some cases, Chan, as long as it's not gay. It, it's just, it's. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. But th there's a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction on the pit. And there's a lot of NCIS fiction, fan fiction actually on the pit as well. There's way more um, of NCIS on the pit than there is. By almost, I think, like three or four times as much. Yeah. There's a huge amount of. In um NCIS on um, fanfiction.net. Yeah, agreed, Willow. Not being able to open up the whole fic is really annoying. That's one of the best features of AO3, personally. I hate flipping through. Well, I think I could be wrong about this, but I think on the app, the fanfiction.net app, I think you can download fic to your library and then read it offline. Oh, that'd be cool. I think. I don't think you have to be connected to navigate through chapters if you put download them. But I, I'm not 100% certain on that. The app is, there's multiple ways you can read on the app. You don't have to put something in your library to read it. So it's, it's a little bit, their app is not actually the most intuitive thing I've ever used. I haven't used the app in a long time. I used it for a while and it like, it kept dumping my library and it pissed me off. There, I think there are two apps, weirdly. I, th I, think, I think there are two. Um, I started on fanfiction.net, but um, I knew uh, pretty much immediately that I was uh, too dirty for fanfiction.net, and I was like, also, I am aware of the fact that either people love me or hate me, and I knew the moment I posted anything explicit on that site that I was going to get reported. So I just, I just skipped it. I just deleted all my stuff and moved it to WordPress. Where I proceeded to drive my fans for nuts for two or three years, re re repeatedly changing my template. How dare you? 
I know you guys, a lot of y'all missed that. I mean, sometimes I, I would have a different template for every day of the week. And the more people complained, huh, the more they complained, the more I changed it. Just, just out of just contrariness. The one thing she didn't do is we, when she used to have a, a side na a side nav, she doesn't really have sidebar anymore, side any kind of side navigation. Is switch which side it was on. She's hardcore. What is it? Right side. Yeah, yeah, it's right side. Because she tried switching it one time, she literally lost her mind. <laughs> she I was tried being an asshole about it, but then it was like, I can't, I can't. And then I she, just pulled it off the side completely. Yeah, she tried to be an asshole about it, but then she was like, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it other than the left. And then she, yeah, then she got rid of side navigation or widgets. It's not just navigation; it's widgets on over there as well. She yeah, I said, took nope. off my sidebar because it was just like. I think it would be I think it would be a better reading experience not to have the sidebar. And people had a hard time adjusting to it, but I think they're okay now. I mean everything you need is still here. It's just, you know, different. I can't imagine why she would reorder the fandoms. Cause I think that not having them in alphabetical order would be a great offense to her OCD. But I could be wrong about that. Kira will correct me. Did you reorder the fandoms? Did I reorder my fandoms? Um I honestly don't remember. That's something I would never do. I, ever. I can't imagine allowing my fandoms not to be in alphabetical order. It would drive me oh, bonkers. There was one theme I used where it would pop the category you use the most to the top. Or the one you used most recently. Like it would be an order of recent use versus like alphabetical order. But I didn't keep that one for long because it was aggravating. Right. Because that would be that. I'd be like, no. But then for one once I had one that was orange and white and I had um navigation bars on both sides of the screen. What is the matter with you? Orange and white? I can't believe you've actually found that appealing. I didn't. It's like that ugly ass Christmas tree. I hated that it. Came up in my search as supposedly being elegant. I fucking hated it actually. Um but I kept it up for a whole week. That it was a spike template, absolutely. That was hurting herself out of spite. And I probably around the same time that my site was actually like, you know, the the, the title across the top was actually like, Kira, fuck you, Marcos. Nice. That might have been the same week. Yeah. <laughs> I earned the reputation I have early on in the fandom. <laughs> Do not doubt it. <laughs> I've been an asshole from day one. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, the only other idea I have is actually one we were going to do a different plot drift on. Um, because I, uh, you know, what would be really interesting is if Moody rescued himself. If Moody busted out of that tr trunk, whooped Barty's ass, <laughs> and said, Albus, what the fuck? <laughs> what the actual fuck? How could you not know that's not me? And what if then, what if then, we're not supposed to be going on to this plot drift, but what if what if he realized that Dumbledore did know it wasn't him? It would be on like Donkey Kong. He said, you did know. You know that you knew that wasn't me. And you let him teach children? What is the matter with you? I think Dumbledore's answer to most of these questions would be, it seemed like a good, good idea at the time. You know he wouldn't say that. He'd say it was for the greater good. 
<laughs> That's his version of it. it's not like a, a, a good idea at the it's time. Not good time. Yeah, the yeah. Ripper definitely needs to get on the fucking plane. The question what question becomes is does Moody get out of the trunk before or after Body Crouch Jr. confounds the goblet of fire? Well, for the purposes of what we're doing tonight, I would say before. Well, he could confound it, but just it might not before but maybe before Harry's name comes out. Or what if like he confounds it but he hasn't put Harry's name in? No, you could even have a big dramatic moment where Moody gets himself out. Um what if the can the charm work on the on the goblet of fire could be canceled with just a with just a finite? What if it's that simple? Like all somebody has to do is point of their wand at it and say finite and it would cancel whatever had happened. Um so what if nobody can figure out where Moody is, Moody meaning 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 Crouch, because Moody's gotten out. And they're but they're gonna go ahead and commence with the drawing. And Moody comes in and he knows what's happened because maybe he interrogated Crouch before he went in there. And he just walks up before the first drawing and hits the finite at the thing. And so only three names ever come out. And then he just watches Dumbledore be maybe just a quiet, silent finite to stop the charm. And he just watches Dumbledore be really startled when Harry's name doesn't come out of the cup. And he's like, he fully mm -hmm. expected it to. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Harry's really oblivious, like, do 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 do. And then Moody breaks the curse on the defense position and spends the next three year, two years, whatever, teaching Harry Potter to be a badass. Much to Dumbledore's horror. <laughs> And every time Harry Potter learns something new about Tom Riddle, he runs straight to Uncle Moody and says, you will not believe what that old bastard told me tonight. This asshole made horcruxes. And Moody would be like, oh, it's on now. We're not, ha <laughs> we're not having any of this. <laughs> I'll be right back, kid. Dumbledore may or may not survive that conversation. The only other thing I think, I, uh, only other idea I've ever had, which we talked about around this, was the idea that... Um, and it could go a variety of ways, which is that Harry just refuses to participate because he's found out through whatever means that it's the person whose magical signature was on the parchment, the person who wrote down his name. And he knows he didn't do it. So he's in the clear. And so whoever put there, the person who's contractually obligated is the person who put their, his name in there. And Harry's refusing to stand in as their proxy. And then it just all starts to unravel because Barty Crouch would lose his mind. You have to participate, you little shit. You know, get up there. He's like, why are you so invested in whether or not I lose my magic? Moody. Or, you know, you could do a time traveling one, yeah. I mean, Harry Potter himself could travel back in time and hit that cup with a whatever he wanted wearing his invisibility cloak. <laughs> what if, oh... Oh, this is terrible. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> oh, no, it's terrible. You're going to you're gonna be mad at me. Okay. What if the competent adult is sort of hairy? What if he dies during the tournament? <gasps> and what if then magic or death or Zir or whoever spends some time training Harry and say, look, this is this this is an on. You have a fate you have to meet. And getting stepped on by a dragon was not it. So we're gonna spend a few years here in the ether teaching you all the stuff. And then you're getting your soul rendered back in time. 
young man. And so what if the adult, the competent adult, is Harry Potter and little Harry Potter's body? Told you to be mad at me. I like it. People want to send me to the corner. <laughs> well, you, you killed Harry Potter. I killed Harry Potter in Child of Magic. Actually, he killed himself. But he went out like a boss. They didn't see that shit coming. <laughs> Fuck you, and you don't even get my money. <laughs> I told everybody what you did. It'll be in the newspaper. I took a poison. I gave away all my money, and you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Harry's death would have to be pretty absolute because it it can't be one of those deaths where it just kills the Horcrux, right? Um, what if he's killed in the lake? Could be the lake. What if he's killed? Um, what if Crom doesn't reach it? Doesn't reach her, um, Hermione in time. What if Crumb isn't going to come, and Harry is convinced that if he doesn't take Hermione and Ron, that he, he and he can't choose between them, and so he tries to take them both, and he drowns. They both live, but he drowns. At work, or you could have him stepped on by a dragon, or eaten by a dragon. <laughs> Or, or bored or, by a dragon because the, the, they do have a horn tail. Yes, or um, maybe there there is a fic once where um, it's the dragon who fell to earth um, by Bob Men, um, where Harry just decides he's not going to fight. He just goes out, steps in front of the dragon, so she'll kill him. But she's like, "What's up, kid?" <laughs> Because she's not a regular dragon. She's a dragon from Pern. The queen that fell to earth. By Bobman. And um, so that changes everything. But what if he did go out there and um, let, let the dragon kill him? And that's why, I mean, like, kind of magic just kind of stutters. And, and you know, Zero's like, what the fuck? What's the actual fuck? Or death, or whoever you choose to be the person who deals with Harry Potter after he comes through. I think he does become a dragon rider. I've never read it, because I don't actually like to read Dragon Riders of Pern. Um, so I've never actually read the fic. But I do believe it's called The Queen That Fell to Earth, and it's by Bob Men. Or is it by Robst? I think it's Bob Men. Someone find a link. be great. Since saying Bob Men. Um... But um, so but what if the dragon? What if he lets the dragon kill him? <laughs> like on purpose? Yeah. Because if I recall, I mean, Harry was probably pretty desperate, right? He was feeling alienated from the whole school. Magic. The, you could you could actually make a good case for that because the magical world was his refuge, and it had turned on him completely, more so even in his second year. Because mm -hmm. as I recall early on, um, up he right uh, there was it seemed like he and Hermione kind of were doing better at the time of the first task, but he'd had some problems even with Hermione, if I remember, um, right after his name came out of the goblet. It's been a long time since I've read it. She got tired of being a go between between him and Ron, um, and Ron was being really terrible, um. But she did help him with the summoning charm, which he used 
in the um, first task. But she got tired of them treating her like she was an owl. Well, okay. I, I understood her frustration. I, the thing is, I didn't feel like Harry treated her that way a whole lot. I think Ron did. Yeah. But my my issue with with it was I still wasn't super... How do I put this? My issue with her behavior in that was that um, Harry was the one in the bad position, not her. Yeah. And she got her knickers in a knot because Harry and Ron weren't getting along. Well, none of that was Harry's fault. So I don't feel like she may not have been the problem, but she wasn't a help at that point either. She helped later, but... I mean, he could have gone out there feeling pretty hopeless, yeah. I mean, because even, like, she comes to the tent because she's so worried about him. And, um... Rhea takes her picture again. And, um... He goes out to fight the dragon. Or to get the egg. But at that point, the only person who seemed to be worried about him was Hermione. I mean... No one else was taking it remotely seriously, like it was going to be a problem for him. He's fourteen. He's about to 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 face a dragon, I mean, the, a creature that takes four to ten wizards to control to get into the arena. And here's this fourteen-year-old boy that just—it's obscene. <laughs> it is, and it could be. I probably mean a little bit more inclined to write it just that he was not able magically to deal with that dragon. Um. Well, he wasn't able to deal with the dragon magically. That's why he got the broom. And he yeah, outflew right. the dragon. Um, but he couldn't, he didn't have the magical skills to actually stand against the dragon. What if they had the arena spelled in such a way that he couldn't summon his broom? Or that he couldn't summon it because the side of her was petrifying. Yeah. I think it's really realistic that, you know, and it could be like a moment. That, of course, if, if Harry gets sent back in time, nobody's going to ever remember it. But that moment for all those people there going, he was a child. He he was in no way prepared to deal with this. Um, and Hermione was worried about him. But I have to think that to a degree, even every everybody thought he was going to come through it because he usually did. Right. I mean, honestly, I think that the Basilisk was probably a bigger danger Overall, than the dragon. Well, and he should have died from the basilisk, right? And I think they forget that that the only reason he didn't is because Fox chose to intervene, right? He might have killed the basilisk, but the basilisk killed him too. Yeah, and that was just sheer dumb luck that he killed that basilisk because that basilisk should have killed him. I think if she hadn't been blind, which again comes down to the phoenix um he never got an op i mean th there's no way there are fix where he does speak parcel tongue to the dragon who's quite surprised yeah but if you want him to die on the task then he either is he can't he he, do he doesn't summon his broom he gets petrified or he lets the dragon kill him because he's done this is just one this is one to my you just he just can't. He just can't deal with it anymore. He's just done. And then, of course, you know, whoever has him in the afterlife has got to give him some little, give, give um, give the little shit some therapy too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, he'll need therapy anyway because he got killed by a dragon. <laughs> but actually, Harry Potter already needed all the therapy possible. Um, the night he got sorted. So you know, you got a basilisk, you got fucking dementors, and now a dragon. It's just like what if what if there's a discussion amongst like you know the the 
a high, you know, the high muckety mucks, the magical entities, whatever. And magic herself is like, no, Zir, you absolutely cannot be involved in this. I, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put a health, mentally healthy child in your care, you snarky bastard. I'm not going to put a suicidal <laughs> one. And Zir could be like, you think death is a better choice than me? Magic's all, yes, I do. <laughs> As a matter of fact. You'll just gonna have you can be involved with teaching him whatever crazy thing you want to teach him in a year or two. He he we need to we need to sort out this kid. You know, you could actually write like a two-part series where like 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 a two-parter, like when Harry dies in the tournament, he ends up I don't know, maybe in an alternate universe and he has to um He's like, maybe he's in the afterlife um, with Mahal. Right. That'd be good. So he's like living in the mountain with all the dead Dwaro. That's sad. But they but, but they have really awesome afterlife. You know, you could do you could do like Valhalla if you wanted to. But um, I think it'd be you know really interesting and in to have him um, taught all this magical stuff and, you know, and then go back have a real big conversation like with a quirk of one eyebrow as he walked past Dumbledore and his name doesn't come out of that goblet saying, fuck you, old man. <laughs> you don't know what you're, you don't know what you've accomplished. What if, what if one of the first things Harry does when he goes back in time is let Moody out of the trunk? That would be great. Cause someone needs to. Right. Hello, I was looking at my map and it says that there's Professor Moody's in here. Hello. Oh, are you in there, Professor? Knock, knock, knock. Finds him down at the bottom like, should you be in your knickers down there? <laughs> well, I don't think Dumbledore's a moron, so I don't know why he could possibly think that he's descended from a primordial um, spirit who doesn't actually have the ability to father children. I mean, I so I doubt seriously that he would actually consider himself a descendant of um, Amaya. That doesn't. I mean, he's arrogant enough, but I don't think he's dumb enough. It wouldn't make any sense that the rest of him came through time, but that particular one little factoid got lost. No, the thing is, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't conflate Gandalf with Dumbledore because I don't find them to be at all the same. No, J.K. Rowling was doing that. <laughs> but it's just not true. The difference between Gandalf and Dumbledore is that Gandalf had a heart. And Gandalf was willing to sacrifice. He cared. He didn't put anybody through anything he didn't go through. As much as possible. I mean, yes, he separated from both um, quests at times, but he, he was off getting his ass kicked when you know, honestly, he was away from them. If Dumbledore is like the reincarnation of any character from Lord of the Rings, it's Gollum. <laughs> Greedy, irrational, split personality. Wait. Remind me to tell you remind me to tell you later. I had an idea about the whole Middle Earth versus magical Britain thing. Okay. <laughs> My precious greater good. <laughs> Someone's a troll. <laughs> he did have a precious ring that he tried to put on he did but yeah anyways I, I think we've explored this topic and it's like tr tr 
I think we're right at about two hours, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Um, did you have any other like ideas? I mean, I think that if anybody wanted to explore this idea, I think that where I would start with like plotting it would be make a list of original characters or canon characters that would be viable to step in and do something about it. Because we're talking any any competent adult that could be Bill Weasley. It could even be Arthur Weasley. It could be um, Charlie could Charlie could take some action when he realizes they've been asked to bring a fourth dragon for Harry Potter. And he goes, what? No. No. That doesn't make any sense. Um, you could use an original character. You could use... Um, um, who else could you use? You, oh, could use? you could use Dobby. Dobby, yeah. It could so Dobby horrify... Dobby rescue Moody from the trunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, and it could be... Because it doesn't have to be an adult human. It could be... Um, Sirius could be so horrified by the idea of Harry being forced to um, to participate in this tournament that he shakes off the compulsions that Dumbledore's put him under, and he hauls his ass off to you know the ICW to turn himself in and asks to be questioned under Veritas Serum before they send him back to Britain. <laughs> and they go, no, and they find out he's innocent. So, huh. So I would just, that's where I would start with the plotting of it is who, who fits in the role potentially of adult. And I think any of the champions, because I think the basically the idea of the tournament acknowledging them as champions. Um, by the way, I love the trope. Every time I see it in a story I enjoy, I love the, the trope that, um, what's it called? Um, that Harry being forced to participate in the tournament automatically emancipates him. I adore that trope. Me too, because like you can't have it both ways. And that's actually the name of a fic where the goblins decided that they've made um, Harry Potter an adult. So they make Harry Potter an adult. <laughs> you're like, well, you're an adult now, Mr. Potter. <laughs> Here's all your money. <laughs> Here are your vault keys. We're gonna put them, you can put those muggles in jail now. <laughs> We've been waiting. What would be really interesting is if it actually did emancipate him on the spot. Um, and the trace just fell off his wand. Mm -hmm. What if, and if he wanted to do a Lord Potter AU kind of thing, what if his air, his, uh, Lord, the instant emancipation caused um, his ring to appear on his finger? And in maybe that circumstance, you'd probably want him to compete in the tournament to confirm the the whole adulthood thing. Right. So what if like you said I'm an adult, I'm acting like an adult, I'm gonna kick this dragon's ass, I'll be right back. <laughs> so what if what if Harry figures what if Harry doesn't figure that out until the ring appears on his finger when he steps out to 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 face the dragon? What if um he steps out there? Or what if when he say when he reaches into the bag and he pulls that Hungarian dragon tail out? out? He pulls the dragon out. And what if the ring appears on his finger? And Hermione maybe is, because Hermione's with him, right? She's back there at some point in that time. And she goes, well, but that would have to mean you're an adult, but you weren't before you pulled that dragon out. But that means you didn't have to participate. And now you do. And now you do. I would sue everybody. All the suing. If you want to do that, it would also be a good time to actually like kind of like push some sentient magic into the like, like the ancient family, the um the ancient noble family um uh deal um 
and that that the ring um recognizes that he's actually in a very dangerous situation and starts giving him really immediate quick advice <laughs> this is how you handle a dragon this is what you're gonna do <laughs> You're gonna no, you can't fly. You don't want that damn thing to get loose off the chain. You don't want to give her a reason to fight that chain. Um, yeah, keep her in the arena where the dragon handlers are, you know, that kind of thing. And the ring tells him, just go talk to her. Just go talk to her. Tell her she's got a fake egg. Just just say hi. He can go he can show up the hey mama. <laughs> she's like, You're not one of mine. But I'm willing to be. <laughs> Hi, I am apparently legally an adult, but I'm just 14, and um, so I wouldn't mind having a mama, and you seem suitable. <laughs> I will go. I, for, think, I will go to Romania with you. I think my biological mother would approve. I think she would. She was quite fierce her well, herself. So that's what if but she if, did if, adopt him, and it would be like. She realizes that these assholes have endangered her new baby. And her clutch. And her clutch. She just kind of picks him up, puts him down in the in the nest with the rest of her eggs. Harry's <laughs> like, now wait a minute, I'm an adult now. And she says, wanna bet? <laughs> Cracks her neck a little bit. <laughs> They can't get her to leave. <laughs> they have to build her an enclosure. Hagrid finally gets the dragon to take care of because she's Harry's mom. <laughs> and that's why Harry just has to go back to Privet Drive because he can't take his dragon with him. <laughs> Nobody can reason with her. <laughs> so anyway, so that's that's all I'm going to add. Is I just start with... with who are your available adults that you could work with and figure out which adult you most interested in writing, you know, that would be my approach because the adults, you know, if, if you don't find the idea of writing Moody to be appealing, then I would not focus on Moody being the competent adult. I would focus on an adult that I want to write. Like if you wanted to write Bill Weasley doing something like maybe Bill goes to the bank and says, this doesn't seem right. Does this seem right to you guys? Um, and they're like, no, that's not the way the cup works. We made it. We should know. How does someone a 14-year-old... mess with the magical... I mean, but someone has messed with an artifact that belongs to the to the Horde. So that, that seems like it would be a violation of some treaty or another. Yeah. And they could, they could just stomp all up into Hogwarts and go, where's the cup? Rebellion. <laughs> Fans could have be so scared, be so freaked out about a bunch of Dwaro stomping into the into Hogwarts. He thinks there's been another Goblin Rebellion, and he passes on to the afterlife because <laughs> he like, can't deal this. with another one. Fuck this! It would be interesting if Charlie wrote to Bill and said, "Hey, I'm bringing four dragons to to Britain for this tournament, and I just saw in the papers that Harry Potter is going to be in this fucking tournament. What's the what fuck's the going on? How does that seem? I mean." He could say, you know, I, I seem to recall he's a little fourth year. Could you have handled a I mean, dragon in fourth year? And Bill's like, I couldn't. I'm not allowed to be down there with the dragons now. <laughs> I'm not qualified to dragon handle. Bill's like, I, I can curse break like, whoa, but I, I am not. I'm not. I couldn't deal with a dragon. No. And then Charlie could be like, and they want us to bring nesting mothers. And Bill could be like, 
Oh. It doesn't actually matter where Bill is. Um, and I think Bill does come to Britain for the tournament because that's how he meets Fleur. Um, but he could go to his superiors at the bank and say, hey, did you you guys see what they've done with the, with the Goblet of Fire? Have you seen what's happened with that? Yeah, he yeah he was there for the World Cup, and I know he is actually there for part of the tournament because that's where he meets his future wife. Right, but just because he's there for the World Cup doesn't actually mean he's there for the whole tournament. It doesn't even no. I mean. I mean, with, magic- with the way magical travel works, he could be porking all over the planet during that year, but it doesn't really matter. You just do what what works for you. Um. So Bill could be a really interesting angle to approach that at because he's close enough to Harry's age that I don't think Harry would find him as intimidating as, say, Moody getting all up in his space or some random stranger. It could be a a good way for Bill to build, for somebody to build rapport with Harry, um, with the person closer to his own age. And then you then have an avenue to get the goblins all all involved right but he could it, just because he was there for the yule ball again he he's moving around so i mean he has port key magic he could literally be in france one minute and 15 minutes later be in ireland Gringotts probably sends him where they need him and they probably have port keys that move their people around so even if he's based out of britain at that particular point in time it doesn't mean he's in britain it could be, but it doesn't. So this is a case of because it's not actually known where he is, it's not documented in canon where he is every second. Um, you, you can do what you want with it. You can you could have him be in Britain or not. Well, you could do what you want regardless, but that's one in in both of those words. Um. <laughs> um. I don't mind so much when Harry has a crush on Bill Weasley as long as Bill Weasley doesn't flirt with him when he's 14. Because gross. It has, I mean, a little, 14 is gross. 15, 16, as long as it's not serious. It, it, it's got to be just obviously not intent, in, not flirting that doesn't Right, mean it anything. can't be like outright sexual interest because that's disgusting. Right. Fun flirting is fine, but not actually overt. I really want to have sex with you, and you're 15. That's gross. Well, adolescents do have crushes on adults all the time. That's but adults don't aren't... get to re- reciprocation is the issue. Right. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure that in canon, Harry had a crush on Oliver Wood. <laughs> But I thought I thought Harry's interest in Bill was more fraternal. He looked at him like he wished he had Bill think, as a yeah. kind of brother. That he wanted a brother, yeah. But anyways, to to wrap this up, just pick the adult that you would be jazzed about writing, because unless you're doing the whole Harry gets squished and dies thing, um, you're going to be doing the story is probably better served being told from the point of view of your adult because otherwise everything is just a mystery to harry right you might need harry's point of view too but just telling it from harry's point of view is so with an idea like this you really are needing to pick a pov character that you can sink your teeth into so don't pick one that's going to be hard for you to write 
Not 16. Not 16. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, you know, Bill Weasley is 10 years older than Harry Potter. Um, I don't see him finding Harry Potter remotely attractive until Harry's in his mid-20s. Because, um, frankly, by the time I hit 26, um, even a 19-year-old was like, what? Fuck you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Legal, but not very interesting. Yeah. I mean, if, if, they, if there was a long separation, I could see, you know... Or somebody he'd never been around. I could see maybe Charlie meeting Harry, really, really meeting him for the first time when he's, if you wrote an AU or Harry, for whatever reason, didn't meet Charlie till he was like 19 or 20. Could maybe be like, oh, aren't you hot? And Harry could be, Harry could be like, not quite as hot as you, dude. <laughs> Bill was born in 1970 and Charlie was born in 1972. I can work with a 10-year age gap with someone who's 20, 21, but I can't work with a, somebody younger than that, really. It bothers me. It bothers me. But anyway, that's it. That's all I got. I can't think of anything else either. I mean, the thing for me, and I don't know why, because actually it's a topic when I wrote, I, I mean, I, I made that graphic, what, a year ago? <laughs> Wait, how long has it been? Let me check. I made this graphic. I'm going to guess in March. Oh, it's just May, been. March or April. It, it was actually um June. June. Wow. It's just We're been six months. Off. 6-12-2019 is, is when I made this graphic. Um, uh, the thing is, is fourth year fix are the, like the least attractive for me as um, as a writer and as a reader. And that's probably why I had such a problem with, with Phoenix finishing it. it was, I just... <sighs> well, it's a weird, it's a weird age if you're a if you're a harry focused writer i'll i'll say that okay because when harry's first second first or second year you're still harry's still to me young enough to get him into a new living situation he's not he's not the the story then becomes more about him getting a new family situation and that kind of thing it feels very like paternal and maternal kind of vibe the whole family mm -hmm. thing 15, 16 is when he's starting to be old enough to develop romantic interest and stuff. 14, it's like it's that in-between age. It's like, what do you do with it's this? It's awkward. I hate the Goblet of Fire. I mean, yeah, he's, the whole concept he's, makes me mad. He's really too young to have serious romantic interest in anybody. So the, that's kind of a, off the table. Um, and then, but you've got... But he's too old to really, he's starting to be too old to really treat it like a child. So it's just, it's it's an awkward time period. It's a terrible plot. It's just, and yet, and yet, the two plot drifts we have pending about Harry Potter were both fourth year plot drifts. Yeah. So we obviously go, need some new plot drifts. Go to the corner. <laughs> well, I have I've been in the corner since you baited for me today, actually. I did. I put you. In the no, corner. you let me out. You let me out. Okay. I'm oh, sorry. I let you out at the end. That's right. Yeah. Because there was. Yeah. Because I made you laugh. Yes, you did. <laughs> I baited something for her, and it is a tease. But you'll get to read it like one of these days. And speaking of, we'll, we can end the podcast on that note. So the profilers for Christmas Advent calendar started on December first. There's at least two posts a day so there's four and soon to be six i'll be pulling the trigger on on this post for the third here shortly um some of them are art some of them are stories uh cover any kind of crime drama fandom so far i've seen quite a breadth of um 
fandoms represented. So pop your little butts on over to the Wild Hair Project and check it out. Kira and I are both participants, but you won't know who wrote what or who made what until the 25th. And on that very articulate note, <laughs> you sounded very professional. We're going to end the podcast. I hope you guys find this entertaining and um, inspiring. I look forward to um, your your story, Kaya, um, about the dragon-raised um, Harry Potter. Um, here's hoping he speaks English. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a fantastic week, and we shall catch you later. Say goodnight, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>